You need not say goodbye. The people will shout my name. Pilate will tell them there's nothing I've done to deserve this, but they will refuse. Pilate will stand me beside Barabbas, a murderer, and they will choose him over me. Pilate will appeal to the priest, insist on simply whipping me to appease their fury, but they will shout it louder, crucify, crucify. But still, you need not say goodbye. My hands will be tied to a post. The sound of the whip will ring in your ears and in your chest. The soldiers will peel the skin off my back. A ring of thorny branches will be pressed into my scalp until the blood runs into my eyes. Oh, but listen. You need not say goodbye. I will carry that cross. I will go to the place of the skull, and there they will drive the iron stakes between the bones in my wrist. With a hammer, they will nail my feet into the tree. I will be raised up as the world waits for me to die. Nevertheless, you need not say goodbye. Between two thieves I will hang. You may hear me speaking to my father, your father. You may hear me ask him, why? But child, you need not say goodbye. What you won't see, what you won't hear, what you won't know until all of this is done is that in that moment, I was paying the penalty of your wrongdoing, every wrongdoing, every mistake, every act of envy, every word of hatred, every moment of violence and greed and spite, every selfish desire, every lustful thought, every moment of weakness and weariness, all the failures of human history will be in my hands and on my head. On that cross, I will suffer the wrath that was destined for you. Every guilty verdict fallen on me. Your punishment will be paid for in my blood and it will be enough. I will die on your cross. I will let out a final sigh. Know that I have loved you, and you need not say goodbye. But if you must, if you absolutely must say the word goodbye, then say it like this. Goodbye fear. Goodbye sorrow. Goodbye rejection. Goodbye shame. Say it like this. Goodbye guilt. Goodbye condemnation. Goodbye all the regrets of the past. Look up at the cross and speak the words. Goodbye addiction. Goodbye chains. Goodbye hopelessness. Right here in this place, say it aloud. Goodbye captivity. Hello freedom. Goodbye loneliness. Hello belonging. Goodbye defeat. Hello victory. This is the end of the curse. 
This is the demise of the serpent. This is all debts paid. This is, it is finished. Goodbye, all the powers of hell. Goodbye, darkness. Goodbye, dread. Goodbye, every sin. Go ahead and say it. Goodbye, death. Generally, getting stranded on the side of the road in a snowstorm is not a pleasant experience. But for six stranded motorists in Oregon this past winter, it might have just saved their lives. That's because in the long line of cars stranded on the highway during this snowstorm was a group of healthcare workers returning from a vaccination clinic at a local high school. The workers from the Josephine County Public Health Department had six unused doses of the Moderna coronavirus vaccine. People didn't show up for their appointment. And they knew they were not going to make it back to Grant's Pass before these doses expired. And they said, well, it'd be a shame to let them go to waste. I mean, so much effort and energy was put into developing this. And so they made a decision. They said, we're going to get out of the car in a snowstorm and work back through the line to see if there's anyone who'd want to get the vaccine just on the spot. So that's what they did. One of them said we were a little nervous because not a lot of people in that part of the state uh, were eager to get the vaccine at that point in time. In total, it took them 45 minutes to find six people willing to get the dose. Weber said most people politely declined. Some were overjoyed. Uh, Michael Weber, the public health director, he said we had one guy who was so happy, he literally jumped out of the car and took his shirt off. <laughs> you know, he was thrilled. He said, Weber said, I can't imagine a better way to spend four hours stuck in a snowstorm. This has been a year, as Chris prayed earlier, dominated by death. Last Easter, we were all at home because of a disease ravaging our planet that continues. Thousands dying every day. The past year has been dominated by death. The legitimate fear of dying, for some, from this dread disease. The Herculean efforts of others trying, working so hard hour after hour, day after day, to develop a vaccine or a cure for this. And not to mention the large amount of socioeconomic damage being done, heedless of the cost, all in an effort to avoid the inevitable. Death. Now, I will readily admit my bias as a preacher. But I am of the conviction that you can heal from death. There's a cure for death. That cure is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the only cure for death. It is a cure that provides vaccination from the fear of death and the finality of death. And we can see it in two stories in the New Testament. Open your Bibles to Luke 8. 49. That's where we're going to begin today. Thank you so much for being here. Happy Easter to you. Christ is risen. Amen? Amen. Amen. For those of you at home, thank you for logging in. Glad you joined us digitally. For those of you here in the room, thank you so much for joining with us together this morning here on Easter. If you're new to Chapel Rock, either here or watching online, we have a lunch event next Sunday called Welcome to the Rock. 
And if you're new around here, that is the best next step for you. Uh, it's a chance to learn about the church's mission and vision, and, and there's information in your bulletin uh, that you can sign up for that. A lot of other stuff going on, so you'll want to be sure to check that. But I uh, want to encourage you, if you're new here, uh, really think about uh, joining us for Welcome to the Rock next Sunday. Um, we are starting a new sermon series today called The Recovery Room. I don't have to tell you that the last year has been a real struggle. If you don't know that, I'd really like to know where you've been because I want to go. <laughs> like, that sounds great. Um, it's been a struggle. It's been dominated by death and by poverty for some and by a mind-numbing dependence on technology and by stress and by loneliness. But our Savior is the great physician. And he can heal you from those things. He wants to do that. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to spend some time in the recovery room. And if you're new, I can't think of a better time to get plugged in at Chapel Rock than right now. As part of this series, we want to spend some time talking with people who are right there in the recovery room with others as they're healing from these things. Today we're talking about healing from death. Watch Happy Easter. Uh, I am here with a special guest, and we're going to spend some time uh, talking today about healing from death. So I have a friend here. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself and tell everybody what you do? Hello, my name is Hunter Dollar, and I'm a nurse downtown at Methodist. Um, I've been there for about four years. Uh, the first year of my career, I spent in trauma ICU, and then I switched to high-risk labor and delivery. And then just recently, I went back to ICU, and now I split my time between labor and delivery and ICU, um, which had led me to being in the COVID ICU earlier this year. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So you have been absolutely on the front line then of this whole pandemic for the last year? Yeah, I didn't start um, being on the front line until about December um, but yeah, I've been in the hospital working, nonetheless dealing with COVID, just not always in the worst, with the worst of it. Okay. So it's my understanding that you, um, you've been in the room when someone died from COVID-19. Can you kind of tell everybody what that was, what that was like? Um, unfortunately, you know, having been an ICU nurse, I've dealt with death and dying frequently, and you kind of learn to cope with that in your own way. Um, however, COVID deaths were a game changer for us in healthcare because when you're used to family members being present um, to comfort that patient dying, and then now you are that person's support person, um, it's a whole new ball game. And the first time it happened, I just remember holding their hand and really trying to comfort them as if it um, was my family member. That's what I would want someone to do for them. So it was just, it was different. It was sad. It was hard. And, you know, when someone's dying, their mentation is decreased. But I fully believe that they are aware of who is in their presence and they can hear what you're saying. Um, so just, I really just try to make sure I was that comfort and that support for that person. 
Mm-hmm. I know that to to be a nurse takes a lot of schooling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to spend a lot of time in school. In your training, did they ever prepare you for anything like this? So in nursing school, you know, we would talk about death and dying in the bereavement process, um, how to keep patients comfortable, how to respect their wishes while they're dying. Um, And honestly, we learned about how in the moments of death, your support shifts from the patient to their family. Um, So that was completely different with COVID as well because I'm supporting people through the phone that I can't see. Um, I can't put my hand on their back, let them know I'm there for them, and I just have to, um, you know, really relay to them that I was doing all that I could for their patient. We as a healthcare team were doing all that we could for their family member, excuse me. Um, And that was really hard. So we did learn about some of that in nursing school, but not quite to the extent of what we've experienced. And then as far as the pandemic goes, we didn't get any briefing on that. So it's just something, you know, we've had to roll with the punches with in healthcare. And it's been a really trying time, but also I think it's brought a lot of the healthcare system together and made us stronger and appreciate all the different parts um, of a hospital, per se. Um, this is Easter Sunday. So naturally, we're talking about Jesus' resurrection. Today, we're also going to look at one of the passages in Scripture where Jesus raises somebody from the dead, one of his miracles. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you ever had a situation where you were in the room and as a nurse were able to see someone kind of come back from the brink, come back from the dead? So I would say um, when someone codes or their heart stops and we perform CPR on them, our goal is obviously to bring them back to life um, if those were their wishes. And sometimes, you know, they can make a full recovery, sometimes a limited recovery. Um, Sometimes, you know, we don't, we can't save them. Um, But it didn't really hit me until recently that we were bringing someone back from the dead. I had a conversation with a patient who her heart had stopped and we coded her. Um, and about four days later, she was eating and talking and up walking with physical therapy. Um, and she was weak, but she had said, you know, four days ago I was dead and now I'm not. And that was just so eye opening to me because once you perform CPR on a patient, um, yeah, their heart is beating again, but normally they're on a ventilator. They're not mentally there at that moment. Um, So I've never really thought of like, oh, they're back from the dead. So it was weird to hear from a patient in her own words, like, I was dead and now I'm not. So that was just an eye-opening experience and it's changed the way that I've seen that when that happens. Um, Yeah, That's kind of the ultimate story at a party, right? (laughs) So I used to be dead. And, right, right. <laughs> and, and I came back. Um, so as a nurse, mm-hmm. when you read the story of the resurrection, and you've had that experience of seeing someone come back from the dead and, and talk about it in those terms, mm-hmm. how, does that, how does that strike you? I mean, what, you probably have an insight into it maybe that the rest of us don't. Like when you read that story about Jesus' resurrection on Easter, mm-hmm. what are you thinking? Um, as a nurse reading the resurrection story of Jesus, it obviously, you know, 
takes me to the times that I've witnessed death and dying, um, but also as a Christian, it reminds me of that hope that I have in eternal life. Um, and when I'm with patients and their passing, all I can think about is their soul. Um, and like I stated earlier, a lot of the comforting or all of the comforting throughout this pandemic to patients, family members has been on the phone. And I just cannot imagine um, if you're not able to see your family member for the days and the weeks that they're sick in the hospital from COVID and not able to be there when they're passing and you think that death is the end. Um, you know, that's hit me different differently now that I'm that patient's support person um, because that's heartbreaking. You know, that hope that Jesus gave us from dying on the cross and being resurrected is something that I wish that I could share with everyone. So I think the way that it impacts me in nursing is when I'm with a patient and I know that death is imminent, I'm just praying for their soul. I'm praying for them. I'm praying they have hope. I'm praying their family has hope um, because like I said, believing that death is the end, it's heartbreaking to me as a Christian and as a nurse um, in these patients' last moments. Well, the good news of Easter is that death is not the end. And at least for those of us in Jesus, uh, that he can even heal from death. And we're going to talk about what that means today. Thank you, Hunter. Um, I'm going to read two texts today. Uh, and set them side by side. The first is a story about a resurrection uh, that Jesus performed, and the second is the Easter story of his own resurrection. The first story is one where Jesus brought the synagogue leader Jairus' daughter back from the dead. Jesus, Jairus goes to Jesus because his daughter is very, very sick and, and on the brink of death. And so Jairus goes to Jesus to ask for a miracle. He is interrupted on the way to Jairus' house by a woman with a menstrual disorder. And Jesus takes the time and ministers to her, and he heals her, pronounces a blessing on her. And then we come to our text in Luke 8, 49. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Matthew tells us that he put all the mourners out. <laughs> Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They all laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Yeah, right. <laughs> Scene changes. It's a garden, dawn, on a Sunday morning. A little over 48 hours after Jesus died on the cross in our place for our sin. We read in Luke 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. 
While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. In both of these passages, we we find that fear is overcome and the finality of death is, well, (laughs) not so final. Only one thing can do that, being healed from death. And this is not death like in the Princess Bride where he's only mostly dead. No, it's all dead, 100% dead. Luke is a doctor, he knows. The language over and over and over again indicates totally and completely dead. The girl was not just, she did not just faint. Jesus did not just swoon on the cross, dead. But they were healed. In a year that's been dominated by death, one year after we were in lockdown last Easter, the message I think we all need to hear today is this. When Jesus heals you from death, you can step boldly into the future. And that's what I want you to hear today. So how does that happen? How does the reality of the resurrection heal us from death? Well, if you'll permit the metaphor, it's a little bit like being vaccinated. I know that's been a bit of a political football lately. It never should have been, okay? (laughs) And, And regardless of what you think about the most recent one, the fact is probably all of you listening to me have had the vaccinations for polio and measles and mumps and all the, all that tetanus, all that stuff. You've had those, they work, okay? And so I want to use, just like this current one has got two shots, I want to give you two shots this morning. Ready? Here we go. Dose number one, shot number one, the resurrection is a vaccination against the fear of death. The resurrection of Jesus is a vaccination against the fear of death. In both stories, there's a reference to fear. In Luke 8, Jesus says to Jairus, don't be afraid. In Luke 24, the good doctor tells us that the women bowed down in fright at the sight of the angels. In fact, in the parallel passage in Matthew, it says that the guards were afraid, the Roman guards at the tomb, and the angels said to the women, don't be afraid. Now, any parent, if you're a parent, you can understand Jairus' fear, right? When something is wrong with your kid, fear. And and, and if you're a parent, you probably had that experience at some point, right? You hear a blood-curdling scream from the backyard, and you're on high alert. What's, What's wrong with my kid? In the resurrection account, it says that the women were wondering about what this empty tomb meant. Now, the word translated wondering means perplexed, but with an element of anxiety there. (laughs) There's a level of fear. There's a level of, of, and you know, look, what is going on right now? When someone you don't know is all of a sudden standing next to you and they start speaking, it can be a little disconcerting. It can be a little bit frightening. I I saw it happen this week. I was at Menards. I needed a socket for a little project I was working on. So I'm standing next to the wall of sockets, you know, right? And I see two ladies about my age coming down the aisle. And it was kind of a narrow spot. You know, there's like an end cap and like a thing there. So I I scooch in closer to the wall of wrenches, you know, like to trying to get out of their way. And one of them walks right up and stands right next to me. I mean, in a very wifely position, right? Like an inch away. So awkward. I didn't know what to do. So I just kind of took half a step sideways. I said, excuse me, like that. 
And she goes, oh, I thought you were my husband. <laughs> I said, no, I'm someone else's husband. I, uh, um, now, here's the thing. I was wearing my Chapel Rock hoodie. It's Chapel Rock right there. So one of you men needs to take your wife to the eye doctor. Okay, um, <laughs> what's going on there? Uh, <laughs> no, but so, so you're like, how could that happen? I'll tell you how. It's on your face. Masked. Why? Why? Fear. Maybe your own. Maybe somebody else's. Fear. You know, it's hard to tell, you know, until you look in their eyes and, oh, <laughs> you're not mine. Um, I think it's significant that in both of these stories, you have this distinct mention of fear. We've seen that driving so much of our experience over the last year, haven't we? The message of Easter is that we don't need to be afraid anymore. When you continually express the joy of the resurrection, the Jesus of Nazareth, God in the flesh, who died on the cross in your place for your sins, is risen from the dead and in glory at the Father's right hand interceding for you, you don't have to be afraid of anything. It's like a vaccination against the fear of death. Now, that's one shot. Here's the second dose, all right? The resurrection is also a vaccination against the finality of death. It's a vaccination against the finality of death. Let me tell you a story. Jonas Salk attempted 200 unsuccessful vaccines for polio before he came up with one that worked. Somebody asked him one time, how does it feel to fail 200 times trying to invent a vaccine for polio? This was his response. I never failed 200 times at anything in my life. My family taught me never to use that word. I simply discovered 200 ways how not to make a vaccine for polio. <laughs> kind of an echo of Edison there, isn't it? I'm glad he did. My grandfather is a polio survivor. I've never in my life seen my grandfather, Bob Scott, without a brace on his leg. I don't need one. I walk just fine. The thing that drove Jonas Salk 70 years ago to try over 200 times to create the polio vaccine, it's the very same thing that's behind Operation Warp Speed, the finality of death. There's a little bit of chronological snobbery that happens, isn't there? We think, oh, those people 2,000 years ago, they didn't know anything. They don't have our modern science. They knew when somebody was dead... They knew that once an event had occurred, it was too late to pray for its reversal. They knew that. In fact, the rabbis of Jesus' day taught their disciples that when you hear a funeral procession happening, it's too late to pray that it's not for one of your relatives. See, I used to think that the question asked in Luke 24, that the angels asked the women, why do you look for the living among the dead? I used to think it was just them being playful. They know something the women don't. They're just kind of having some fun with them, right? I've changed my mind. I don't think that's what their intent is here. I've come to believe that they ask this question because of the certainty of the resurrection. 
right? The question is rhetorical. They are trying to communicate that Jesus is not dead anymore. He has been healed from death. He is risen. See, for the author of life, no death is permanent. He gave life to dirt once. Remember Genesis? Formed Adam out of the dirt of the earth. (sighs) Breathed into him and he became a living being. The breath in your lungs is God's breath. He gave life to dirt once. He can do it again. When you ate nothing but dirt in a box and some bones, he will give you life again. That's the promise of the resurrection. He can and will restore us to life even after we are dead. Death is not final. In Luke 8, Jesus likens death to sleep. It is as easy for him to reverse death as it is to wake up a sleeping person. Get this, every day when you wake up in the morning, you get a little taste of the resurrection. Just a, it's a little bit, just a little preview of what that's gonna be like one day. When that day comes, you won't hurt and wonder why. <laughs> when you get up in the morning, you won't be tired and wonder why. Not anymore, you'll be healed. The people in the story in Luke 8 didn't believe that resurrection from the dead was possible. It took a little convincing for the people in Luke 24 too. In the same way, many in our day do not believe that resurrection from the dead is possible, and therefore, they miss out on the joy and life that is given to those of us who do believe in that. I would hate for someone listening to me now to be missing out on that. Our job, church, is to show them how we have been healed from death, both the fear of it by living a life of joy in the face of struggle and the finality of it by investing in eternal things and living for a future not in this world. Those are proofs that Jesus is alive. When you live your life like death is not the end, you show that you've been vaccinated against the finality of death. The message of Easter is that the resurrection of Jesus will heal you from death. (laughs) Just like in the video we saw with Hunter. This lady. (laughs) Yeah, when I was dead. You get to tell the same story, church. You get to tell the same story. I was dead in my sins and transgressions. And God in his great mercy made me alive in Christ. He healed me from death. And yeah, one day my body's gonna stop breathing and my heart will stop and it's not the end. He's gonna heal me from that death too. And you may have come in here today or joined us online today and you might be be tired and, and sick and stressed out and poor and weary of a life lived online. And I wanna tell you today and for the next several weeks, there is healing The great physician will heal you, and it begins with the resurrection. You see, Jesus said to the little girl, my child, get 
up. That is that word get up is the same word that the angels use to describe the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. And one day he's going to say the same thing to you. He's going to speak from heaven and he's going to say, my child, get up and you will stand up out of your grave in a resurrection to full life and vitality and see your Savior's face. That is the promise of the resurrection. And then, 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 glory and joy forever. And Revelation tells us even death will die. Did you hear me today? When Jesus heals you from death, you can step boldly into the future. That's your future, and it starts today. Has he healed you? He will. Like Jairus, you have to bring it to him. And you might be like the women and just be in shock and amazement. Really? That can happen? Yes, it can happen. It can happen today. Maybe you've been, you come this morning and you've been living in fear. Because you don't know what life looks like totally surrendered to Jesus. You can be vaccinated against fear. Maybe you're here this morning and, and, and you've been just, the finality of death has just been driving every decision you've been making. And I want to tell you this morning, there's healing for that. Maybe you've not been living in faith. Maybe you've written off a situation as hopeless. It's not too late if you do what Jairus did and you bring it to Jesus. We're going to have a time of response. Maybe you're here this morning and you need the resurrection life of Jesus. You want to die in the waters of baptism and be resurrected in Christ. You're going to have an opportunity to do that. In just a second, we're going to stand and sing together. I'm going to be down front. Fred's going to be down front ready to receive you. Maybe you need someone to pray with you. We'd be happy to do that. Maybe you're ready to give your life to Jesus. Die yourself and be reborn as a Christian today. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and we're going to sing together. And you respond as God leads you today.